to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson. And I'm Anna Marie Seisling. Thanks for joining us. For nearly all of us, the life we took for granted with all its impromptu grocery trips and casual get-togethers has been significantly disrupted and transformed into something that feels downright dystopian in many ways. Because of COVID-19, physical distancing has become our way of life. And it's resulted in some very big changes to our day-to-day lives, and it can take it can have a big effect on our mental health. That's where we want to spend the rest of the hour today. How are you feeling at this time? Are you getting quarantine fatigue? Uh, how have you been able to cope with this new normal? And perhaps most importantly, what is bringing you joy? These days, according to a new report from the University of Michigan, many Americans are experiencing high levels of depression and anxiety, and we want to talk about why that is and what we can do. So joining us now is the lead author of that study, Dr. Shauna Lee, associate professor at the University of Michigan School of Social Work. Dr. Lee, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. So first, Dr. Lee, let's talk just kind of about more generally the effect of social or physical distancing. Um, As human beings, we are innately social. So talk a little bit just about how this is affecting us as people not being able to be or see our uh, not being able to be with or see our loved ones. Right. We um, in our study found that people are experiencing very high levels of social distancing, not surprisingly, since we're under you know, legal restrictions in terms of our activities and that people are experiencing major disruptions to work as well as other activities. Obviously, we've heard about all the economic strain that uh, many, many Americans are under, and this is influencing our ability to cope. Um, In such unprecedented times, people are experiencing very high levels of anxiety and depression. In our survey, we found about 32% of respondents had symptoms that would indicate major depression, that's more than double what you might normally expect in the population. And over 50% of respondents said that they were experiencing what could be classified as mild, moderate, or severe anxiety. Again, more than double what would normally be expected. So perhaps not surprisingly, uh, this is a very challenging time, and it's manifesting in some of the psychological symptoms um, of depression and anxiety. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, did you do you do you think that you've gained any insight into how people are coping with the stress of the pandemic, um, you know, in either healthy or potentially unhealthy ways? Yeah, actually, one thing that was maybe a little bit surprising from this research was the that the large majority of uh, people we surveyed were using positive coping skills. So, for example, 96 percent, so nearly every single respondent, uh, 562 people, said that they were accepting the reality of the situation. 89% said they were taking action to make the situation better. And about three-quarters were getting comfort and understanding from someone else. So we actually saw quite a few uh, indicators that people are using a lot of positive coping strategies to get through this extremely difficult time. Okay. And um, in that report, though, you also highlighted that 28% of adults say that they are using alcohol or drugs to feel better. Talk about this issue of self-medicating to cope with the stress and anxiety of this time. Right. So we conducted this survey about two weeks after the social distancing guidelines were issued from the White House. So it was still uh, pretty early on in the pandemic um, at the end of March. And indeed, people said, uh, 28% said that they were using alcohol and marijuana more often than usual. 
So as a mental health expert um, and a professional working in this field, a concern would be that if that continues over a longer period of time, now we're six, seven, eight weeks in, um, that those could develop or exacerbate existing substance use um, and mental health problems. So I think that's a real concern for professionals as we move forward, how best to treat people to address uh, the ongoing effects of the pandemic on people's mental health uh, and how to reach out and provide services if social distancing continues, uh, how to promote telehealth strategies so that people can obtain help even if we're still under uh, social distancing guidelines. Dr. Lee, I'm curious about that that statistic there about people using alcohol and marijuana at a higher rate. Uh, you know, I don't know, and, and tell me if it makes a difference, do you think, but do we know uh, whether that's a reflection of coping? Is it a reflection of self-medicating, or is it could it simply be a reflection of... Uh, you know, just the, the the fact that people are home. You know, they're not at work. They're they're um, you know they're they're in their living rooms instead of being out and about. And there's not much else to do at this point. Yep, I would guess it's a little bit of all of those things. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're really all we're kind of as a, as we cope with this ongoing uh, and there's it's really unclear. It's a very uncertain situation when it's going to end. I think we're we're pulling on all of the tools in our toolkit. (laughs) And for some of us, that's a lot of positive strategies, but there's also uh, potentially some negative strategies as well. And in the short term, having an extra glass of wine might not seem like the worst thing in the world. Um, But for people who struggle with addictions and substance use problems, um, those are the the individuals I'm really concerned about, is how uh, this uh, pandemic might affect their ability to... um, maintain sobriety for people who are trying to do that, um, right, being home alone, not having the same social connections, not being able to go to AA meetings. These are pretty major concerns, and I hope that people will uh, understand that many, many uh, Amer- Americans are struggling with similar issues and, and that people won't hesitate to reach out to their community mental health uh, or other practitioners, other sources of support, friends and family, to um, to get support during this difficult time, since we're all sort of in the same boat. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer here with Anna Marie Seisling. We're in for Stephen Henderson today, and we're talking about how everyone is coping with the pandemic and with being home and isolated through this entire time. And we really want to hear from you. We want to know how you are doing and what you might be doing to deal with with these situations. Um, How are you feeling mentally and emotionally at this point in the pandemic? Are you getting quarantine fatigue? Um, You know, how have you been coping with this new normal and, and what is bringing you joy these days? Maybe it's coloring with your kids, exercising, watching a favorite show, or even taking a bubble bath, something like that. Call and tell us what you're doing to feel good amid the pandemic in Metro Detroit right now. Of course, the number is 313-577-1019. Again, that is 313-577-1019. You can also use the hashtag Detroit Today on Twitter, and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Dr. Lee, going back to what you said a moment ago, just about kind of all of us being in this together, it does seem like there is that kind of unifying factor, but also the kind of pre-existing conditions and different quirks to everyone's personalities. As much as we're all in it together, um, people can be going through vastly different experiences depending on where they're at in their lives and what's happening emotionally and mentally for them. Talk a little bit about, uh, about how, for instance, a parent and a teenager living under one roof might be having vastly different experiences right now. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, as much as we're in it together, definitely we're having very different experiences at the same time, um, depending on the resources we have available. So um, we did actually ask quite a few questions of parents in our survey as well. And interestingly, uh, kind of similar to what I mentioned earlier, Parents were feeling closer to their kids. Um, parents were reporting much more engagement in activities with their children, playing games, playing with toys, eating meals. Uh, it, these were younger children, not adolescents, of course. But parents were also reporting having uh, more conflicts in the past two weeks since coronavirus with their children, yelling and screaming more and spanking more. So we are kind of seeing both sides of the picture, that parents are uh, – maybe feeling warm and close, uh, closer to their children because they're spending more time with them. But at the same time, there is the pull of the potential for conflict when you're spending that much time under the same roof with someone. Um, so some experts have recommended uh, things like trying to structure activities as much as possible, um, speaking to your kids, uh, using communication skills and strategies to talk to them about what's happening, to verbalize some of the emotional uh, constraints that everybody's under, um, which, you know, might seem obvious, but sometimes when you're in the same household with someone, you don't always talk about the experiences that the other person is having. And another recommendation that I've read that I think is helpful for some people who can do so is getting outside and trying to, um, ex you know, be, be outside for a little bit every day. Um, that can really shift the mindset a bit and help to alleviate the anxiety and stress of being under the roof. Obviously, our weather here hasn't been so great in the past few weeks, but even a few minutes outside could be helpful. I can definitely attest to some of that myself as a parent of very young kids right now. I think that this has been a quite a roller coaster ride in terms of uh, exactly how we're all coping with that. Um, and and you know something that I've talked about actually on the show uh, recently, Doctor Lee is about the push and pull of what especially, um, you know, working parents are being asked to do right now between uh, being a full-time parent, being a full-time teacher, and also uh, being a full-time employee and not being able necessarily to, uh, you know, put all of your uh, focus on one of those things or the other. And I think that that in itself has, for me at least, been very uh, difficult and uh, it's been tough to to deal with. It's caused some anxiety. It's you know even even in my situation, which is actually a pretty privileged situation. So I'm curious what your what your thoughts are about how people are are balancing that and how that contributes to all of this. Yeah, I'm in the same situation myself. Two young children and um, you know one that's getting a little. Uh, sick of being homeschooled, <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's it's had its ups and downs to say the least in the past uh, few weeks. And you know, my I don't I can't say that I have uh, the the best response. I personally and, and try to you know enact with my friends and my colleagues is just to have some empathy and some kindness with ourselves um, and some patience with ourselves that this is not going to be our most productive. Uh, time at work, potentially there might be um, some lags. There's going to be moments when we have to give our attention to our children and their struggles and their needs uh, in ways that we don't normally have to do when we have full-time childcare in school um, for them to attend. So um, hopefully we can all just have a moment of, of kindness towards each other and understanding um, about the challenging situations that we're facing. Uh, and as you said, even being in a position of privilege of having full-time employment, 
um, and appreciating that, uh, recognizing that there are some challenges associated with trying to balance all of that. Yep, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. We're talking with Dr. Shauna Lee, Associate Professor at the University of Michigan School of Social Work, where she was the lead author of a new study about stress and coping behaviors during the coronavirus crisis. And uh, we want to go to the phones now and hear how listeners are coping with all of this. Uh, Marilyn in Oak Park, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Um, I just figured out a wonderful coping mechanism that will keep me in the house for about four weeks without any problem. I just cut my own hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Marilyn, of course, that begs the question, how'd that go? Oh, really, really bad, really bad. <laughs> I, 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 may not, I may not even get out in the backyard because I have neighbors. So anyhow, that worked out well. And I w- would like to say um, I hope Stephen had the right idea. Take a, take a break when you need to, mm. and I hope he's doing well. Yeah. So that's it. Don't go near the scissors, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that, Marilyn. Thank you okay. so much for the call. Uh, doc- Dr. Lee, you know, something about that, though, that, that makes me wonder about this is the ability of people, that, that sort of self-care that maybe people can engage in, uh, you know, whether or not it goes the way you plan or not when it comes to cutting your own hair. But uh, it seems like that is uh, that aspect, since we aren't able to go out and have people care for us in one way or the other, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of uh, need to, to try to replace that, and, and it sort of fall, falls on either ourselves or our family members right now. Yeah, exactly. I love the humor in that, uh, that description of cutting your own hair. So um, I think uh, one thing I've done that's uh, just been fun with the kids is, is trying to find silly YouTube videos uh, and watching those with them, um, parents doing funny things with their kids. So, you know, just trying to inject a little bit of humor and levity when, when possible um, into the situation can alleviate the, the stress. Sure. All right. So, uh, Charlie in Royal Oak, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks. Um, I guess um, two things. One that stressed me out. One was worrying about a friend or close, you know, a family member, somebody getting uh, the virus. And I just found out yesterday that uh, one did but he's been cleared of it since March 26th, thank goodness. So um, that that feels good. But then my bigger one was, as an employer, I was looking at furloughing about six employees possibly today, and um, we just got word I did just closed on the payroll protection program that'll avoid me having to do that. And that was a big uh, stressor because I just didn't want to put anybody through that. Fortunately, our company's been able to provide services related to this, and so we've been able to stay somewhat, you know, busy. But it was really getting scary, and I'm just glad that uh, that stressor's gone. And so I just ride my bike as much as I can, get outside, have people late at Earth Day, and stay safe. Absolutely, Charlie. I really appreciate the call. Dr. Lee, uh, kind of going off of what Charlie was saying there, obviously exercise is uh, a really great way to kind of combat some of the stresses going on right now. But going to another point that he brought up, that is the fact that, you know, aside from just the stress of changes to our everyday lives, people are dealing with some very real financial uncertainties and challenges right now. And that can kind of exacerbate this already existing stress people might be feeling, right? Oh, absolutely. In our research, actually, we asked about those sorts of issues, how um, worried people were about being able to pay their bills, uh, pay their mortgage or rent, um, financial concerns and worries. And even just two weeks into the pandemic, that was a major, major concern for the large majority of the respondents. And 
it seems like the uncertainty, as you said, of the situation is really overwhelming. There's no clear answer and no clear end in sight. And the helplessness of, of that, of being in a situation where you don't feel like you have much control is extremely difficult. And so I kind of circle back around here to encouraging people who are feeling that overwhelming sense of hopelessness and helplessness, and it's not going away, to really reach out to a mental health professional who can help you with coping with that. We may not be able to address the economic factors and the challenges, but we may be able to help you think about the strategies that you can use to um, combat the helplessness associated with that. Um, it's an extremely difficult time for millions and millions of people. And in fact, that's what urged me to do this study in the first place, was thinking about um, the people who don't have the privilege, who are going to be losing their jobs, and how that's going to affect their relationships um, with their loved ones and their children. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Jake Neer in uh, with uh, Anna Marie Seisling in for Stephen Henderson today. And we're talking about how this pandemic is affecting mental health. And we're taking your calls right now. We want to hear from you. The number on the lines is 313-577-1019. How are you doing? What are you doing to cope? And uh, what are you seeing? How, how are the people around you coping as well? Again, that number is 313-577-1019. You can also also leave a comment on Twitter using the hashtag Detroit Today. And want to keep the uh, phone calls going here. Bernadette in Old Redford, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm a regular caller, and I have been up blue, and I've been turning into a bomb. Uh, I, my uh, <laughs> hairline now looks like I, I'm wearing a white headband. So I decided <laughs> to put on some lashes and some lipstick. And to go to members of uh, to a couple members in a block club and institute uh, porch parties. I come with my iPad and my Bluetooth speaker and call the person and have them come to their porch and I dance on the sidewalk. Oh, I love and they that! Dance yeah. on their porch. Oh, that's so great. Bernadette, really good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the call. Dr. Lee, kind of going off of what Bernadette said there, um, I kind of personally identify with that, too. I'll kind of find myself maybe putting on a, a fresh sweater if I know I have like a little Zoom get together going on, maybe put on some earrings. Talk about the role of um, kind of caring for one's own appearance and maybe making that extra effort, even if it doesn't seem completely worth it, kind of what the benefit of that can be psychologically for people right now. Absolutely, yes. In fact, one of the key findings from the research we did was that the social isolation and social distancing are getting in the way of people's ability to parent and have positive relationships with their partner, their romantic partners. So I think, you know, any strategies that you can use to make it easier to reach out to others via the technology or, you know, from a social distance in your neighborhood or around your block is going to make the, this easier in the in the long run in terms of being able to cope with um, uh, being in social isolation. So I think that is a great recommendation, and it shows you know being resourceful and being able to engage with your community from afar using creative and you know unique responses. I think is going to really help people get through this. And and on on the other side, for those neighbors or colleagues um, or friends that you have that you haven't heard from in a while, this might be the opportunity or the time to really reach out to them and make sure they're, they're doing okay. Uh, because uh, the social distancing and social isolation for a lot of people 
uh, is debilitating or can be debilitating. So um, we, we hopefully in our communities can and reach out a little bit more than we might normally do just to check in on people, elderly neighbors, uh, parents who with really young kids who we haven't seen walking up and down the street. Uh, this would be a good time to check in and just make sure that they're all doing okay as well, which might actually make you feel better too, having that connection to an, someone um, despite all of our social distancing um, constraints. Yeah, Bernadette, really appreciate that call. Thank you so much. And another thing that I think maybe I'm seeing here a little bit from our callers, uh, some humor, which I think is a good medicine right now in this situation as well. Let's go to Heather in Waterford with uh, doing some things that uh, I think both Anna and I are both doing to help with this. Uh, Heather in Waterford, welcome to Detroit Today. So much. Um I, you know, when I do a couple of things um, lately, is uh, I've been downloading audiobooks like Cozy Mysteries and, you know, maybe a trashy romance. And uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'll go outside and I'll do some gardening. And, and the gardening helps because I, you know, I feel like I've lost some control in my life. So gardening is therapeutic in a way. And it's been just so enjoyable to get out there and see the positive changes I'm making. But um, I, I would recommend to people if they haven't gotten a library card, they could try reaching out to their library and see if they can help them. Because I know a lot of librarians are working remotely and they're doing temporary library cards. So um, I, people would have access to e-content right now and maybe not realize that. Yeah, Heather, I really appreciate that. And uh, the the gardening for me has been has been big. You know, uh, this is my second year uh, with sort of a full scale garden, and you know, getting those seed starts going and seeing the progress and having that thing to do every day. That you know, it, as if I didn't have enough things to care for already with mm-hmm. kids and pets. But uh, you know, it is it is something that really focuses you. It gets you outside, uh, and and it's that progress that you see that you can sort of focus on the future and some ways in a positive way. And I know that you do gardening as well. Absolutely. And I can't take all the credit. My partner is um, has a, a very robust green thumb. But this year, I really have been diving into it more. And so much, um, Jake, of what you just said really resonated with me as far as having that kind of control. I mean, on one hand, it's kind of what's been making this cold weather that won't mm. seem to let go um, a little bit more frustrating. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, being personally, uh, I get a little anxious every time we have to gear up and go to the grocery store. So the thought of potentially, you know, seeing my own food growing in the garden is uh, it's a really nice thought and a really nice goal to work toward. Yeah. And I know that, you know, I I, I am a um, garden YouTube person. I know all those nice. all the people who, who do those sort of videos are saying there's this huge influx of people who are doing that as well. Uh, Dr. Lee, you know, uh, you know, activities like that. Uh, are you seeing a lot of people from your research uh, trying to do things like gardening, like uh you know, things that'll bring them outside to cope with this? You know, we didn't ask specifically about that Mm. uh, in this particular study. The coping strategies we asked about were more about getting help and emotional support from others, um, Mm -hmm. praying and meditating, things like that. Uh, But turning to other activities to get my mind off of things, uh, maybe the the gardening falls under that category. And, you know, again, we saw about 84% of people said that they were doing that. So just trying to find something else to distract yourself uh, so you're not ruminating on all of the challenges and the negatives. I'm also getting away from uh, the media, not not WDT, of course, of but course. Um, the, you know the media um, 
feed, I, I don't know, New York Times, Washington Post, whatever sources, uh, which can be kind of unrelentingly negative, it feels, uh, sometimes. So taking a little break from that can be uh, a good thing to take your mind off of what's happening um, temporarily. The, the Facebook feed for yeah. me is is where I'm, I'm getting sort of bombarded, I think, with the, the, the news that is uh, anxiety-inducing and scary and, and, you know, also mixed in with a lot of the other things about social media that are um, maybe not the best for mental health, including, uh, you know, the the fighting and the, the partisanship and the divisions, that those things, it's sort of a perfect soup for um, feeling overwhelmed in a lot of ways, I think. Absolutely. And just to add on to what Jake said, I'm also finding that sometimes if I go on Facebook, I'm having a hard day or Instagram, um, another one, you know, seeing people who are seemingly doing perfect, which of course mm. is not maybe reflective of exactly what's going on in reality, but still it can kind of trigger feelings of um, inadequacy or like, oh man, it looks like they have it all together, but you know, I'm really just not feeling it today. Yeah, I, I think one, I'd echo that and just say that, you know, the the image that might come across on social media may not, you know, reflect what's really happening, as you said, because if if one one lesson I took out of the, the research we did was just how many people, far more than you would normally expect, are struggling uh, with some aspect of this pandemic. Uh, maybe not every aspect, you know, some people are not homeschooling their kids, or they may not have the same financial concerns and worries, but everybody is struggling, I dare say, to some degree. And right, the social media doesn't present that piece of it uh, as clearly. Um, but but I believe, you know, kind of keeping that in mind that this is really a time where if there's any stigma associated with feeling anxious, depressed, or stressed out, uh, hopefully people won't feel that because it's really a time where we're all sort of, um, I think, going to be having some ramifications or after effects from from some aspect of this. So yeah. hopefully we can keep that in mind. Sure. Let's get to another call here. Uh, Joanne, a nurse from White Lake. Uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. How about you? I'm doing okay, thanks. What would you like to say? So the, so the major, uh, you know, we're, we are still working. Um, there are different challenges for us. Um, I have been deployed to a, an area, I work in an ambulatory surgery area, so our cases were deemed less time sensitive and, and our population is very elderly. We wanted to keep them safe. So I was one of the first people deployed to another area. I'm actually at the regional testing site down at the state fairgrounds in Detroit. Um, so one of my big challenges has been feeling guilty that I'm not in the hospital with my mm. Uh, colleagues who are, you know, drowning, basically. And I'm hearing a lot of stories from people about how they're feeling, how they're feeling like they're drowning, you know, unable to really help people. And that's, that's our deal. That's our drive is wanting to help folks. Um, so there's definitely been times when I felt like I'm not doing enough uh, as being a person who's called to service. That's a challenge. So yeah. for me, I've really been focusing on... Um, on gratitude, kind of falling back on my faith and falling back on, um, falling back, so not the right word, stepping in, leaning into those things that have always been a help for me, um, and just realizing that I'm, I've been called to be in the place where I'm meant to be. We can't all be, uh, we can't all be on the front line, so to speak. I guess I don't consider myself being on the front lines, even though I'm in 
PPE from head to toe all day and mm-hmm. in the faces of people, nasal swabbing. But, you know, just giving them a smile, letting them know that, you know, we're here. Um, stay strong, stay tough if you can, you know, giving people that back. But, um, yeah, definitely trying to stay grateful, getting back into my gratitude journal, being grateful for the small things. Um, you know, the fact that I can wear leggings under my clothes because we're outside, so we're freezing our butts off all day long. But just finding a way to pare it down to the smallest elements of things we can be grateful for. Yeah, Joanne, I really, really appreciate that perspective. And I think, you know, right now, a lot of us, we're, we're just at home, right? And I think that there's this question about um, of guilt uh, associated with not doing more and not doing enough. And I, I didn't even think about uh, nurses that are feeling like they should be in the hospitals right now, even though you are on the front lines uh, and you are doing really important work, um, that that you would even that you'd feel like that as well. And I think that that's a really valuable perspective. And uh, you know, I think really, I we're all doing as much as we we really can, and and we're doing our part. I think uh, at least the vast majority of us. And and. Um, you know, I hope that people are keeping that in mind. Um, Dr. Shauna Lee, Associate Professor at the University of Michigan School of Social Work, I really appreciate you joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today. Absolutely. Take care. All right, coming up, we'll continue this conversation with Dr. Johanna Suit Buzzlitz of the Michigan School of Psychology and the Arbor Wellness Center in Ann Arbor. Stick around. We want to hear from you. The number on the lines is 313-577-1019. Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Anna Marie Seislang. We're in for Stephen Henderson today, and we are talking about how this pandemic is affecting us, not just our health or sort of our daily lives and routine, but our mental health, our psychology. How are we coping? How are we doing? And how are you doing? We want to hear from you throughout this hour. The number on the lines is 313-577-1019. And now we want to welcome a new voice into the conversation, Dr. Johanna Suit Buzzelitz is a faculty member at the Michigan School of Psychology and co-owner of Arbor Wellness Center in Ann Arbor, where she works with adolescents and adults on a broad range of mental health concerns. Dr. Johanna uh, Suit Buzzelitz, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning. So, Dr. Johanna, I'd love to start talking with you first uh, kind of about this experience of sheltering in place and um, kind of how that can look very different depending on each person's situation. Is there any universal advice that you can give people as we all try to navigate this new reality? Yeah, I think that um, while it, it can look very different, right, depending on if you're someone who lives alone versus someone who has, you know, multiple family members in your residence, You know, one of the things that we're all experiencing is just a disruption of our normal everyday routines. And sometimes things that we don't even think about that are part of kind of how we cope, how we help ourselves feel safe, like our our drive to and from work. We might use that time as a time to transition or, you know, listen to the radio, listen to music. And we don't have those normal routines. 
And so part of, for anyone sheltering in place, is trying to find those ways that help us kind of feel um, feel more normal or feel more secure. Yeah, and one of our, uh, something we touched on in the last segment of the show was about how, you know, we talk a lot about how we're all in this together and we're all going through in some ways, similar experiences, but also how vastly different those experiences can be. Talk about how different people are experiencing this. Uh, for instance, maybe how a parent and their teenager can be living mm-hmm. together through this, uh, but be going through vastly different experiences even within their own house. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the way we respond, of course, is as individual as we all are. And so, you know, depending on your developmental stage, like when you have a teenager versus an adult, the way that they see the world, the coping mechanisms that they have are very different. For a teenager, this is kind of their first experience of a really big crisis. Um, and they don't have a, a lot maybe to, to anchor themselves. And so, you know, adults really have to help teenagers kind of um, gain some perspective and help them develop ways, again, to sort of um, uh, feel more comfortable, feel more safe, um, whereas adults are dealing with the pressures of sometimes trying to maintain work while, you know, things are going on behind the closed door, right? Um, there's multiple things happening in a household and you're trying to engage in a Zoom meeting. And so adults are juggling sometimes these multiple demands in a very small space. Absolutely. Where teens are Continue. trying to figure out just how to get up uh, before noon. Right, <laughs> right. Before done. Yeah, right. exactly. And I mean, teens do have, um, in a lot of instances right now, I think opportunities for structure, but it's about implementing that. And also, I mean, kind of extending that and looking at maybe two adults who are, you know, in a relationship cohabitating, maybe one person is still working from home, mm-hmm. the other person's out of work, um, you know, and kind of trying to manage those two very different situations that are playing out in the same household. Talk a bit about that. Well, yeah, and I think what's important to recognize is that everyone's having their unique stress, right? So if one person is is facing joblessness, right, that impacts the whole family. Um, and so that individual is 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 anxious and stressed, and 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 yet that's impacting um, each person in the family. And so it, it's about navigating these relationships that we navigate all the time, but now we're navigating it in this really compressed space. Right. We're all with each other all day long and we're going to be influencing each other more than normal. Um, And so, you know, the thing that I keep sort of saying to my clients, to my students, um, is really recognizing that we are not our usual selves. We shouldn't expect our usual when nothing in our life is usual. Right. Mm. And so the more compassion we can have for ourselves, as well as extending it to each other, and just really giving each other a lot of grace because we're all sort of doing our best with each of our individual stressors and family stressors. I want to go back to the phones here. Uh, John on the east side, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you. And I'd like to put a shout-out to uh, to Tom and his family, mm. and I think maybe in the future we could have a show uh, clips from Tom and his <laughs> infamous wisdom. But I would uh, love that. On to, on to another community leader uh, on the uh, east side. And Jeff Chalmers, Tammy Black is is ho- is spearheading a community call every Friday 
at 6 o'clock, and we were looking at how to keep communication up in the neighborhood. You know, it, we can't flyer because that's you know could be contagious. Uh, so we're trying to figure out how to uh, to to continue our work here, and uh, we're working with uh, Michigan Community Resources, and uh, they're looking at uh, at, at uh, how we can. With, with with the lack of technology and the problem with spreading the virus, how do we continue to communicate with the neighborhood? So it's really great. Absolutely, John. I really appreciate the call, and it's great to hear your voice. Thank you so much for that. Um, so, Dr. Johanna Buzzelitz, I'm wondering if you can kind of talk a little bit about John's point there, just about the role of community. And, um, you know, we mm. were talking with you about people who are cohabitating, living with others, but really that role of community can be so vital for people who are living alone right now. Can you talk a bit about that? Absolutely. You know, that, that um, you know, f- that sense of isolation for folks who are living alone is profound. And so, you know, I think it's so great to hear these stories of um, these really creative ways that people are um, finding ways to connect, whether it's going out on their porches and waving to people, whether it's joining um, celebrations uh, for people far away through Zoom, um, you know, just finding these different ways. I, I have a, a friend who's living in New York who lives alone right now, and she and some friends in her um, apartment complex are living, leaving little gift baskets or little, you know, things for each other on their front doorstep. They can't get together, but they can communicate through these different ways. And so finding those creative ways is so important to stay connected. Let's go to Abdullah on, or in, in Inkster. Uh, Abdullah, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Well, basically, uh, um, uh, I've been preoccupied at home because I'm in the construction industry. And you know how there's a lot of times you're so busy fixing up other people's places, you don't have enough time to do anything for yourself. (laughs) So I've been home. It's almost um, like having kids, Abdullah. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, what I'm doing, I'm standing on my floors in my house. I got Mm. uh, yard work to do. Uh, you know, plus I'm Muslim, so I got the month of Ramadan coming up, so spiritually mm-hmm. I'm getting prepared for that. And it's just, you got to have something to occupy your mind with, something positive. We just, if we just look at the history, going back during the time of President Roosevelt, you know, what the uh, America went through during that period of time, they, they overcame those adversities. And, you know, we can study like, uh, uh, like motivational speakers like Tony Robbins, Les Brown, you know, other people to see the opportunities that, that surround us because a lot of times you have adversities there's always an equal and greater opportunity in that adversity. So that's basically what I do. I like to just keep positive, thinking positive. Yeah. You know, and yep. uh, keep my spiritual connection going. And that keeps me motivated, keeps me moving because eventually things are going to work itself out. Yeah, Abdullah, I really appreciate that perspective. Really, really um, uh, love that you are, uh, that you called in today and shared that. Um, uh, Dr. Uh, Johanna Suit-Buzzlitz, I've only got about uh, 30 seconds here, but I wanted to give you the last word. What would you, what do you tell people um, who are, you know, uh, just dealing with this uh, crisis? You know, what is one word of advice that you would leave us with today? Well, I think what your caller was just saying is a great strategy is, you know, our anxiety is always about the future. What if this happens? What if this happens? What are we going to do? 
And if we can just bring ourselves back to present moment, sometimes to something concrete, like you were saying, you know, you don't have to sand the floors, but maybe do the dishes mm-hmm. or do something right in front of you. Um, that can help just bring us to the here and now and not go into that future and, and get stuck in anxiety. All right, Dr. Johanna Sud-Buzelitz, a faculty member of the Michigan School of Psychology and co-owner of Arbor Wellness Center in Ann Arbor. Thank you so much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, tune in on Monday. We're going to be talking about the pandemic's impact on small businesses here in Michigan. Stephen Henderson will be back, and I hope you will too. This is W, or I'm Jake Neer, I should say. And I'm Anna Marie Seisling. <laughs> this is WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Note your connection to news, music, and conversation. Take care, everyone. <laughs>